Hey, Mobile listeners, real quick thing to tell you about that's coming up. If you're in Mobile on October 26th, the University of South Alabama is hosting a screening of the 1961 film Judgment at Nuremberg, directed by Stanley Kramer. If you've never seen the film, it's about the Nuremberg trials, the judges' trial specifically, where former Nazi officials were placed on trial following the end of World War II. It's considered one of the more important international law events of the 20th century, and it was a trailblazer in the legal profession for human rights and crimes against humanity. The film is being screened in the Marx Library at the University of South Alabama campus in Mobile, and it will feature a panel discussion of which I am a part. So if you want to come to that event, it is October 26th at the Marx Library at the University of South Alabama in Mobile. For more details about the event, you can click on the link in the show notes of this episode. Hope to see you there. So it's, 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 that it's, it's mostly back. You still sound a little gravelly. You got, <clears throat> got a little bit of that Peter Cullen in there. A little, a little bit of husk um, <laughs> and a lot of musk. <laughs> Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. <laughs> Tesla's rollout. Rollout. <laughs> Would you like to drive in, uh, I don't know what they are. <laughs> what are they called? <laughs> They're just, are they? I don't know the model numbers. Anyway, I got this big old list my daughter gave me of all the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> ah, okay. To recover. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, I thought What's this- What's on the list? Okay, so we've got uh, breathe moist air. Okay. Didn't do that. Test, oh, rest your voice, not test your voice. Rest your voice. <laughs> Didn't do that. Uh, drink water, parentheses, no alcohol and caffeine. Didn't do that. I was gonna say. I was gonna say you, you're you're pretty good at drinking water, right? But but it's you know whenever this happens, it's a combination of environmental factors. Like it's always like the last couple of weeks, I was like up like till nine or ten every night. Like we weren't doing the podcast; we pre-recorded a bunch. So like I was doing writing, or I was catching up on work, or I was doing a bunch, or trying to get some stuff done. I was helping my daughter edit a commercial for her, for a school project. So I was like burning the candle at both ends for like two weeks. I was drinking a bunch of coffee. I wasn't having a lot of water. I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. And then the week, the last week I did a lot of yard work. So I was outside a lot and the weather also changed Mm. colder. Yep. So I think all those things captain planeted me (laughs) (laughs) into, yeah, the combined their powers. Yes. And, uh, and then it, it resulted in me losing my voice um, and really being unable to basically talk for like at least a day and then just mm. diminished ability to talk the days after that. So, gotcha. uh, yeah, it sucked. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you've heard it. You, I've probably done one or two shows when it's happened or right as it's happened. There's been yeah, a couple yeah. where you could witness it happening <laughs> as the yes, hour as, as it goes progresses. along. Well, there's that, and and I think we've both had those shows where our our voices are either recovering or on their way out, yeah. and uh, yeah, man, it's never never fun. 
it's not fun, but like I, I, I was telling somebody at work about it. I was like, you know, I got like, I went to an ENT, uh, I think in 2019 mm. and I got like a scope done. Cause I was like, this happens Ooh. enough. Like what if I have like a polyp or something? Yeah. Yeah. And basically no, like I have reflux. Um, and then the rest of it is just, it's essentially like a deadly cocktail of, of environmental factors that, gotcha. uh, that conspires to create this, this, this happening. And I said, you know, right. should I, I know I should go on like vocal rest or something, but like, I can't just stop talking. I have four kids at the time. Well, at the time I only had two kids. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I have four kids. Um, I now it's twice as hard. Yeah, exactly. I, I have to talk. I, I talk for my job. I talk, I, I give verbal countdowns at my side hustle and you know, I, I can't just go on vocal rest. Um, and she was like, no, unless you're like a professional singer or something like you don't need to do that. You, you're probably just adding days to your recovery, but you know, and so yeah. I said, well, if I'm not doing any permanent damage, then, then I don't I'll just mind continue talking. with life as usual. Yeah, yeah. like I'll, I'll just, it sucks because I'm, you basically have to, especially in the first couple of days, you have to essentially yell if you want to make sound happen. Yeah. Because talking yep. softly, your vocal cords just won't flap. Yeah. They just, They'll yeah. Just, yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. So anyway, there's a whole bunch of other stuff on here that you're supposed to do. So if you want to know uh, what you have to do, uh, email my daughter. Just kidding. Don't. Because don't, she's don't eight. Don't do that. Leave That's her weird. alone. Yes. <laughs> you creep. That was a trap. If you start emailing right now, you're a creep. And I want Chris you to. Chris Hansen. I need you to go away. <laughs> Chris Hansen. <laughs> yeah. Go right ahead. I'll throw a few of you in jail while I'm at it. <laughs> I always loved watching that in college where so I mean I actually didn't love watching it. It's really it's really <laughs> it's so disturbing. Uncomfortable, yeah. It's really uncomfortable. But but the the reactions are always great oh, and it's, it's just and, always great watching people just bullshit. Like just like, no, 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 we were gonna yeah, because like they'll do the thing where it's like, you know, the the girl says like, I'll be right down. Just, you know, come in, you know, and make yourself at home or whatever. Right. And they hang out, like sit on the couch or yeah. whatever. And then Chris Hansen just walks in and goes, how you doing? Yeah. And they're all like, <laughs> well, yo, or no, or, or, or they're just like, hi, 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 how are you? Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, what are you here for? <laughs> oh, I was just hanging out with a friend. And they're like, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. sure. Yeah. A twelve-year-old friend. Yeah, your friend's fourteen. Oh, I didn't know she was twelve. Oh, come on, man. And then, and then it's like <laughs> the the text log proved that was untrue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They'll just show a screenshot of a yeah. mostly redacted. <laughs> Where it's like I'm twelve. It don't matter. Yeah, it don't. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Can you mind if, I, mind if I go in your backpack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it's like there's a, a six pack of beer in here. What are we gonna do with this? Are we gonna get her drunk? No. no, nah, man. That's for uh, me. That's, for, that's me. for me. I like to party. Yeah, <laughs> with a with a teenager. No, n- n- nah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, we we laugh, but yeah, the truth it's, is that show is incredibly disturbing. It's horrifying. Watch. Yes, it, it is. It is terrible. And yeah. and every time I watched it, I felt like, oh, this world is awful. I don't. I don't want to be here. No, right now. no, it's, 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 it's terrible. Like it, it's fun to watch for afterwards. You go, man, people do that though. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, that was real. Yeah. Like that. Ah, uh, yeah. this is funny. Cause it's real, but it's bad. Cause it's real. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now I'm sad. <laughs> well, um, speaking of partying with teenagers and, uh, and not being sad, let me recommend something. 
<laughs> to okay to everybody uh it's it, a weird segue but continue I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it around um so uh as as i want to do i like to watch the making of the marvel stuff on disney plus mm-hmm. so uh i'm gonna give a light recommendation on the front end of this episode here and recommend that people um watch the making of ms marvel on disney plus i i, I notice i recommend the making of because the making of was cool and short and um and, and interesting and uh and I, you know so the, the there's a show called Miss Marvel on Disney Plus and uh if you've seen it especially then you would probably enjoy the making of I mean, think I don't I don't know how people I don't know how you don't watch the making of if if you're into these shows you know but then again some people really aren't interested they 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 have they have zero curiosity about the technical side of making film and television yeah. Uh, so of course you and I are very interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the making of Ms. Marvel was, was interesting. Um, you know, it always, it always allows you to see the show through the eyes of the people making it and mm-hmm. the people making it are always, hopefully, um, as is not the case with something else I'm going to talk passionate. about in a second, are passionate about yeah. making it. Um, and, yep. and the people involved in Ms. Marvel say what you will about the show itself are very energized by making the show. It, mm-hmm. It's it, how clearly refreshing it is for these people to, um, to, to be able to, you know, to, to be able to make a show like this where you've got a lot of, you know, brown people cast, you know, a, a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of, um, uh, Asian and South Asian Indian um, you know, Amer- American Pakistani actors, um, and, you know, being able to shoot on location, which they did a lot of on this show, like they shot a lot in Thailand and I didn't know, you never know with these Disney shows and movies at this point, like the Marvel stuff, you'll never know if it's, if it's all on a volume or if it's, um, on location. Cause for a while, just everything was just in Atlanta yeah. location or not. And I think, right. I don't know if it was after since they're so VFX heavy or they just didn't need to be on location for a lot of this stuff, they yeah. probably were like, but starting with like no way home or, or uh, far from home, it seemed like they were going, yeah, we can do that a little bit, but like we need to like Peter Parker's going to Europe. We can't just shoot Atlanta for Europe. We need to go to, right. we, we need to do some stuff. We need to go to London, you know? So yep. they go to Thailand and, and of course um, uh, many other places for the, for, for Ms. Marvel. But Anyways, the making of is interesting, um, and uh, so that was cool. Um, Sweet. Not as cool is the making of Thor Love and Thunder, mm. which is also in Disney+, Plus. obviously. Um, I did not get the same feeling of love for the project here that I got from the Ms. Marvel people, which doesn't mm. really surprise me because that's kind of what we were all sort of feeling after seeing the film. Like, there's just not as much passion in this one. Yep. Um, everything Taika Waititi says in here, uh, that sounds genuine, doesn't show itself in the film. Mm. Like he wants to, like when he says something genuine, like I wanted to, um, I, I wanted to tell, I I wanted to tell a, a love story, and I wanted to tell, you know, like there's just the things that he wanted to do. Like it's like there's a completely different person talking. It's like it just doesn't mm. come through in the film as, as we saw Chris Hemsworth. Yep seems it could just be the the day they interviewed him but he seems tired um kind of exhausted from doing this um yeah 
Taika Waititi kind of does as well. Natalie Portman seems like she just kind of wanted to hang out with everybody again. You yeah. know, like yeah. uh, they talk a lot for some reason to Brian Chapek, uh, who's Bob's, who's the, the CEO's <laughs> um, right. son, yeah. who's also an, uh, an executive producer on the movie. But they talk to him a lot. Um, mm. So the, the overall, the feel, overall the, the whole project has like a real corporate feel to it through this making of. Mm. It's weird. Anyways, yeah. um, if you, I don't know how to recommend this. You know, if, if you didn't like Love and Thunder, you might be curious to to peek behind the curtain a little bit on this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's this this is a weird the 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 the, the press the, the 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 press and and behind the scenes stuff surrounding this film is is weird. There was that VFX breakdown that Taika Waititi did with Tessa Thompson for some reason that yeah just seemed like they were just just goofing around not taking anything seriously like i i understand that that's taika's brand and you know whatever and that's that's fine but at the end of the day if you don't stand behind your product and make us take it seriously then that's a problem Mm -hmm. And, and i think that's what rubbed a lot of people the wrong way is that it just felt like he thought it was a joke so why should we take this seriously yeah there's there's clearly like a reason that he directs movies and there is there is a part of him that's very serious and good about the technical side yeah like people may think that he's like he's a writer's director because he writes and directs and acts but there is like a serious like like technical visionary side to him as well and uh you know like like he he's the one who brought the led walls to the mcu because he's like i I had such a good experience with that technology on the Mandalorian. I wanted to, I really wanted to introduce that over here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a, you know, he's just not, he's not some, well, he's not always a silly, whimsical Kiwi guy. Who's just like, Whoa, I can't believe I'm making the movies. Yeah. But, but he, it's like, he feels like that's all that will sell. It's Mm -hmm. like, man, I just want him to like, I just want to give him a hug and be like, I, you know, you know, people love you when you're serious too, right? You don't have to clown yeah. around like this all the time. Anyway. We know you have things to say and you have feelings yeah, too. It's all right. Yeah. It's okay. Right. We love you. I love you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you took it to a weird place, it's but it's the, fine. Well, it's like that. The, the, the sentiment's great. It's like the, the, uh, he needs to do like Lionel Hutz does in the Simpsons. He needs to call David Crosby and like, hello, David. <laughs> I'm feeling really tempted every time he wants to like be goofy. Like I'm feeling that I'm feeling really tempted. Just take it slow and know that I love you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he needs. So anyway, that's, that's those two projects. Those are my, those are some light recommendations. They're both about an hour long. Shouldn't take up too much of your time. Sweet. Eh, So yeah. Yeah. All right. Nice. As for real films uh, to talk about, I would like to hear, I don't know what you want to talk about first, but I wanted to hear about vengeance. Evelyn just didn't die. She was murdered. What? And the two of us are going to avenge her death. So as like a personal boundary, I don't avenge deaths. But here's what I can do. I'm going to record everything that you think happened to Evelyn. And we'll put it on a podcast and we'll see where it leads. What evidence does he have that it was a murder? Nothing. 
and that's the story. So Vengeance released this year. Um, it is a uh, sort of it's a it's a lower budget film written directed by B.J. Novak, also starring B.J. Novak, um, who you may know as Ryan from The Office. Um, I certainly do, and um, and and it actually has a few other people in it too that you might know: uh, Boyd Holbrook, Dove Cameron, yeah. Issa Rae, Ashton Kutcher, um, John Mayer is in it for some reason. I, I still haven't quite figured out why. Um, but the premise is this, um, BJ Novak plays an up and coming podcaster. Like he wants to be a podcaster. Um, he's just looking for his big story. Um, he's a womanizer and, um, you know, sleeps around and never makes real connections with anybody that, that he, uh, is with. And, um, and one night he gets a phone call that a girl that he, uh, hooked up with a few times, uh, has died. Now, she told her family that they were in a committed relationship, and so they expect him to come to the funeral. Um, so he travels from his home, uh, L.A., I think, maybe, uh, to uh, New York, New York, yeah. uh, something yeah. anyway, to uh, to Texas. And, and he goes to Texas and it's this fish out of water story until he realizes that, hey, she might have been murdered. And so now it becomes the story of how a young journalist uh, finds his story and creates a podcast and uh, uh, tells the story of this girl who he had written off, but maybe she had more feelings for him than he thought. Um, so, um, anyway, it's, it's, a it's a good story about, uh, kind of finding your voice and, um, finding your story, so to speak. Um, but also questioning this hookup culture that we live in and, and how harmful that might be, um, as well as, you know, kind of character growth, which I always love, uh, towards, you know, making BJ Novak's character a better person. Um, a more well-rounded person that's not as self-obsessed and uh, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I I I enjoyed this film. I think um, the the first thing I would say is if you are a fan of The Office, I think you should watch Vengeance. Um, and you know, I, I think obviously it's different from The Office um, in a lot of ways, but the basic comedy DNA, I think is similar enough that if you like the office, there's some stuff in here that you're going to like. Um, and, um, and that makes sense. BJ Novak wrote some of the best episodes of the office. And, um, so his comedic sensibilities are, are still present here. Um, I think that ultimately the screenplay probably needed another pass. Um, it, it loses sight of itself a couple of times, um, and a couple of times gets caught up in the cliche, you know, you know, story structure stuff that you just kind of expect to happen. And it happens when it's supposed to happen structure wise and how it's supposed to happen because we've all seen movies before. Um, so, so I think, um, but I think it just needed another pass. What I liked about it was um, it's a fish out of water story. I always think those are fun and funny, um, but it's also, like I said, moving our character forward in in some substantial ways for better or worse, for worse. Um, movies today have kind of uh, big budget movies have kind of shied away from true character growth. So it's it's refreshing to see some character that's not 
perfect mm-hmm. grow and and become still not perfect but better and uh so um i think there's a couple of things i want to talk about one bj novak um is a good actor um i think i would have preferred a different actor in the lead role um, and that's not a slight him because obviously he wrote it and directed it. So he knows the the character um, mm-hmm. backwards and front. But um, I think if he were able to focus a little bit more on the screenplay and a little bit more on the direction and not have to perform it as well, I think you would have maybe found some nuance like another performer might have thought about it in a different way and could have collabed with him in a way to elevate that character into something that's a little more um a little more well-rounded because the character is is well conceived but not well executed if that makes sense mm-hmm. um it, the it makes sense on paper everything that happens and every thought that happens however it doesn't quite come through, I think, in the way that it needs to. And this is this is kind of true across the board. A lot of times when people write and direct and star in their film, you get this homogeneity about that particular role because it's one person thinking about it from top to bottom. But when when you bring in somebody else to perform it, it just it allows for that collaboration that uh, that that elevates the roles, um, and and a good a good uh, example of this in this own movie is Ashton Kutcher. Um, Ashton Kutcher. So here's the thing, I've I have not seen a lot that Ashton Kutcher has done. <laughs> um, I have seen that '70s show. I love that '70s show. Yeah, um, and I've seen a few movies here and there. Um, the Guardian comes to mind. Um, uh, you know, and a couple of like the rom-commy type things that he did, the more comedic stuff, but, but nothing, nothing substantial. And like, I never saw whatever his version of Steve Jobs was. Um, I, I never, I never saw that movie, you know, whatever, but I was so freaking surprised by Ashton Kutcher in this movie. Um, and maybe I shouldn't have been, but he is phenomenal. He is a, like the, the show stealer, um, to a, uh, like a huge degree. Like this movie would not be anywhere near as good without him. Um, from his very first scene, he is charismatic. He has, you know, this like appeal to him and he's playing this, role that's a little bit eccentric and a little bit like um maybe it's a put on like the character's putting on this wise persona mm-hmm. but maybe he is wise and so the question that you're left with is like which is it right and it's just such a great performance that um he granted it's partially the writing right yeah but but Allowing him to do with that role what he did, which is land it in this in this place that makes you think and makes you wonder about him Mm -hmm. and you don't have any ideas. But you also know that Ashton Kutcher knows exactly what he's doing. Right. It's not like he didn't know. So we don't know. It's we don't know because we're not supposed to know. But he knows. And um and and it's such a it's just such a great performance and and i think if ashton kutcher is performing on this level in the future i i'm here for it like he is he i i i 
rarely ever sing the praises of an actor like this in a movie, but just absolutely stole the show for me. Um, and and that's a great example of a, of an actor coming in, looking at a role on the page and elevating it. Um, and I wish that the lead role in this had that same uh, thing. So that's no slide against BJ Novak. He wrote a great part. He directs it well. But allowing for collaboration is a huge thing. Um, so, so yes, um, I, I'll, I'll say this, the, the mystery part of it, that is the hook, right? That's, that's what we're, we're hooked into. Yeah. It's really not the point. Um, and, uh, and the point is the character growth. I like that. I think it's great to hang your hat there and let everything else kind of happen, but it's all in service of character, not the other way around. Um, so all that to say, I, I enjoyed it. Are, are there, are there some criticisms that I have? Sure. I think the, the film, um, is vague on its timeline. I think the, it's a little hard to follow cause I don't know, has he been in Texas for three days or for three months or for a year? It's a little hard to tell. Um, it, it's also a little hard to understand he's, I, I assume starts the podcast during the movie and it becomes popular, which leads me to believe that it's a long enough time that the podcast is written, spoken, edited Produced. and published. Yeah. Um, so, but it's just hard to get a grasp for, for like how, what kind of waves this is making. And they say like, Oh yeah, people are liking it. Well, that's great. But I, I was, I didn't even know that it was out yet. Like they they never make like a, shouldn't you have the end of the story before you put out your first episode? Um, like I thought, wouldn't, wouldn't you think you would like do your full investigation, find your answers or whatever, and then publish your story. But instead he's publishing it as he goes, I guess it's really weird and it's hard to kind of read. Um, so story wise, there's that, but I guess they wanted the structure of, you know, maybe having some voiceover from him, you know, explaining things. And so you kind of have to do it that way. So just structure wise, it's, it's a little strange. Um, but, um, but yeah, look, performances are great. Um, and, uh, and for anybody who loves Friday night lights, uh, Matt Saracen's grandmother is in this film. <laughs> I, I don't know the actress's name. I'm sorry, but, but, uh, I could probably find out what's, really quickly. What's, what's her character's uh, name? Oh, it's Luann Stevens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Luann Stevens is in this. She's so great. I, I love Luann Stevens wow. and I love Friday night lights. Um, so anyway, all that to say, uh, vengeance, I gave it three and a half stars. Um, it's, it's not quite a four star film for me. Um, but it's better than it's fine. Um, you know, it's, it's a good movie. And again, my recommendation is if you're a fan of the office, if you're a fan of BJ Novak, if you're a fan of that style of comedy, um, then check this out because it has that DNA in it, but the film is rarely overtly funny. Like it's rarely like I'm, I'm busting a gut at it. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, Oh, this is funny. And I blow air through my nose because this is funny. And and then, you know, I, I have this warm and fuzzy because it feels a little bit office-y in some way. Um, so anyway, all that to say, I mean, look, uh, 
I, I enjoyed it and it's on Peacock. So if you have Peacock oh, and uh, are able to stream it, uh, then stream it. And yeah. I think it's definitely not a waste of your time, um, but it's not going to change your life either. But it's a really so I believe this is BJ Novak's first feature um, and it's a really solid entry for him. So I, I hope we get to see more of him in the future. And I certainly hope we get to see more of this Ashton Kutcher in the future. Oh, excellent. Okay. Tell me about uh, Emily the Criminal. So if you had some money, what would you do? I just want to be able to experience things. I just want to be free. Hi. I paid 400 and it was never applied to my balance. Sorry, how much uh, interest is being added a month? How are you? I need a real job, just to like pay my loans. Emily, yo, let me uh, hook you up. Monsieur driver license. In the next hour, you will make 200 cash, but you will have to do something illegal. You won't be in danger, but you will be breaking the law. Yo, you gonna pay for that? Sorry? Emily the criminal. Uh, criminally. Oh criminally. Um, <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> criminally the criminal. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Emily the criminal is uh, a new film directed and written by John Patton Ford um, and starring Aubrey Plaza. Um, this is another kind of low budget uh, movie that uh, I just wanted to see because the trailer looked decent and I like Aubrey Plaza. Um, I think she's an example of actors who elevate their material. Um, and, uh, yeah. So Emily, the criminal is about Emily who, um, becomes a criminal done. That's the review. Nice. No, no. It, so Emily is, um, kind of down on her luck. She can't find a job and she's got a ton of student loan debt and she's just trying to make ends meet. She has a couple of roommates um, she's not really friends with them. She just kind of lives there and, um, she just can't seem to make it happen for her financially. Um, she is, however, working as like a DoorDash type thing. You know, she's running food orders to people. Um, and it's a little bit, but it, you know, it, it, it's not much. Um, one day, one of her coworkers gives her a, a phone number to call. You can earn some quick money doing this. And so she follows that lead and, uh, and finds a, a group of criminals who are, um, using stolen credit cards to make large purchases, um, and then make off with the stolen goods. Um, and so, uh, as the, criminal who kind of leads up this ring kind of tells her like, Hey, you know, uh, you're not going to put anybody in danger and you're not going to be in danger, but what you're doing is illegal. So, you know, get used to it basically. Um, and over the course of the film, she, uh, uh, gets a little bit deeper and deeper and deeper because she needs more money and more money and more money. Um, and, uh, and it's just the story of how Emily becomes a criminal. I mean, it, it is that simple. Um, uh, my rating up front, I'm going to give it three stars. I think it's fine. Um, on letterboxd, I, I just wrote kind of pithy, uh, a pithy little thing that was like, if the movie exists, it should have been better. Um, and, and that's basically how I feel. Um, that's the long and short of it is that it, it, it's a good movie that by all accounts should have been better because it should have given us maybe a little bit more of Emily and, and her, 
um, mental uh, journey. You know, how does she get to these points? Now, I understand the motivation is money. I understand that. But letting us in on how one justifies criminal activity to make ends meet, um, this was a little bit lacking in that. And that's yeah. something that I've really grown to to enjoy is when a character does something out of character and has to justify it to themselves. Um, I love that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and this, it just felt a little bit too easy. Like, like here's an opportunity to make money. Okay. I'll do it. Yeah. It's very, it's very, um, student filmy in a way. Like when you, when you make a lot of like short films in high school or the early part of college, it's always like, well, what's your plot? And a lot of times just the easiest thing to do is go like, well, you know, the character needs money, you know? Yeah. It's just right. an easy way to give a character a motivation, but what they'll yep. teach you about writing antagonists yep. and, you know, anti-hero-ish or, or morally gray protagonists is their motivation has to exist beyond money because yeah. one seeking money is just kind of boring yep. on screen Yep. And at a certain point, depending on what kind of story it is, there's no way a, a human being would go this far just to get some money. To get money. It has to be about something bigger. Like in Breaking Bad, it wasn't just about money and surviving for Walter White. It was pride. It was status. It was, yep. it was, it was about, it was about, it was about self-actualizing in a way. Yeah. For him, yep. you know. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was proving it was proving himself to himself, but he, yeah. he justified it by saying it's for my family. Yeah, yeah. And, and we were maybe led at first to believe it was for the family. Right. The truth was it never was. After a while, it's like, come on, man. Like even, uh, even a desperate, reasonable person would be like, okay, I, I can obviously keep living, you know, yeah. theoretically without this sure. money, but someone who has something to prove goes, no, I have to do this or I am yeah. nothing. Yep. Or life is not worth living. Right. Well, and so this this leads me back to, I'll just refer to another AMC show. Something that I always said about The Walking Dead that bothered me is, is survival isn't a good enough motivation. Yeah. Likewise, money isn't a good enough motivation. Yeah. Uh, food isn't a good enough motivation. Shelter <laughs> isn't a good enough motivation. These are things that you need, yeah. yes, yeah. But, but it is not a good enough motivation to justify activity that goes against your moral judgment or mm -hmm. your character up, up to this point. So when Rick, who is a police officer and by all intents and purposes, a good one, mm -hmm. um, decides to kill people or do whatever it is, it is that he does. Um, there needs to be more of a struggle, uh, more of an internal struggle for him. And, and they just sort of always wrote it as, well, I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing mm -hmm. it for, I'm doing it for Carl. I'm doing it for Carl. I'm doing it for Carl. It, that's great. That's great. Kill, hashtag kill for Carl. <laughs> kill for Carl. <laughs> but but what does that do to you mentally? Um, let me put myself in those shoes. If I need something, if I have a basic need and I have to resort to something that is just completely 180 degrees away from where I would normally be on a on a issue of morality, um. right? What am I going to, what mental gymnastics am I going to have to do to put myself there? Um, and it's going to be a lot of gymnastics, right? And, and that's what this film was lacking was 
I understand that she needs money. And I also understand that at a certain point, she felt entitled to more than she had. And and I, I understand all of that. But the mental gymnastics of now I'm going to be a criminal was never fully explored. And especially in the early part of the film where she first gets her feet wet into this criminal enterprise, there has to be more to it than that. And then there's a moment, um, this is not a spoiler, there's a sort of a turning point for her character. Um, she gets um, robbed. Um, a guy, she's trying to sell some stolen goods and a guy says, you know, I want your cash and try and holds a, a box cutter to her throat and I'm going to kill you if you don't give me your money. Um, and she fights back. Um, that moment of fighting back, I'm not entirely sure why she does it. I mean, I get it. They took, they're taking money from her, mm -hmm. but, but the fight back and I'm, you know, I don't want to spoil the fight, but the fight back to do that, I think is, is underwritten because the only motivation presented is, well, that that's my money. Okay. Well, great. Cool. But, but give me something emotional, right? Like it this is this is a dumb example and it's the easiest screenwriter trick in the world, but like my dad is sick and I need money, right? Mm, right. For his treatment, whatever it is, right? <laughs> it's it, that's it's an easy way to go, but right. but what I'm saying is like there's a some sort of something there and I can justify this criminal activity because of that or i can justify well he's comatose so my dad will never find out so i can kind of you know what i mean like right. there's there's just some something going on in the character's brain um and 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 something that gives it an emotion um right now there's not much of an emotion to this film um and there's not much exploration beyond i need something and i don't have it and i want it and this would get it like get me it and and that's great and and it's serviceable and the story's fine but it is not better than fine and it could have been better than fine because aubrey plaza is certainly better than fine as a performer and she's certainly capable of delivering something more nuanced like even in parks and recreation which you know is a sitcom she has nuance to her character and uh and that character's in my in my opinion, one of the best characters in sitcom history because she is so nuanced and so full, so well rounded, so full three D dimensional, whatever. But she um, in this film is a little bit too one note. So that that's kind of where I come down on the film. Like it's it's good and the story is fine, but it needed more to get me to believe that she would do what she does. Um, and, and that's it. So, um, so three stars, um, it could have been a lot worse, but it should have been a lot better. Mm. I do like Aubrey Plaza and I like that she's doing all this stuff because it felt like, you know, especially towards the end of Parks and Rec, she was just kind of like doing her thing in some movies. And then it wasn't until I remember watching safety, not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And I yep. remember like watching her, like, chasing you know whatever chasing the, that mark duplass like into the yep. woods or something like oh let's yep. go find the thing and she was smiling and i was like oh 
I was yeah. like off put by it. I was like, this is weird. Watched her smile. And now it's like, right. I love seeing her smile. Like she's, right. oh, this there's, is there's, an actress. there's a bunch of dimension to this person, Yeah, you know, and, and so then she started playing more wide ranging characters. Yeah. And it's like, she's one of the people who tips the scales to me seeing a project now. Yeah. Well, so this is this is a good sort of example of an actress who has a brand mm-hmm. and then solidifies that brand on a sitcom. And that character, April Ludgate, was written for her. Yeah. She has the meeting with Greg Daniels and Mike Schur, and they say, like, we, we have to write a role for her. And that's what April Ludgate became. Um, and, and so she sort of solidifies her persona, her brand in that character, but then realizes as soon as that's done, my brand now fundamentally has to change. Mm-hmm. I have to do something different. I might can still go back to that well on occasion, but I have to do something different. And so she'll play, you know, uh, in, in these, in all of these indie films. And I think her career has been great post Parks and Rec. Um, and, and it's, and it's funny because, you know, uh, uh, Chris Pratt went the, the action movie route and she went the indie route. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, it's just fun to kind of watch her trajectory and her try to work through and escape the, the trap of the sitcom. Um, and, and I think she's done it very well. And, um, and weirdly, I think Parks and Rec hasn't really pigeonholed its its performers uh, like most sitcoms do. But um, but she she's done a great job of getting out of that role and out of that, you know, uh, uh, that typecast. So uh, props to her. She's she's good at what she does um, and she's good in this. I just wish that the it had been a little more uh, meaty. Yeah. So. So anyway. Yeah. And the good Aubrey Praza uh, movie is Ingrid Goes West. Ingrid Goes West. You want to yeah. see her yeah. just be a deeply unsettling person. <laughs> if, if, you, yes. if, if you love being uncomfortable, <laughs> yep. got some more yep. stuff for you. She played it. I never watched Legion, that, that yeah, X-Men me show. Yeah. But I know she was like sort of a creepy kind of role in that. Yeah. Um, and she was in she was in the Chucky reboot. You remember that? Oh, right. Um, she was. She, she's been all over the place. She has been all over the place. She produced this movie too, Emily the Criminal. Yes. Yeah. She did. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on her on her list, man. It's she's she is working and I think uh, she's one of those that, that has started her own production company. Yeah. And so I think this was one that she optioned. I think it's based on a book, if I'm not mistaken, or something. Um and so she optioned it and uh is it based on a book? Let me no, see maybe not. Here. Uh I don't let me know. go backwards. Um maybe it was just an, an idea. No. no, I guess it's not based on a book. No. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So but anyway, yeah, she um yeah, she she certainly uh spearheaded this project. I I heard her talking about it uh and about John Patton Ford who wrote and directed it. And like, she was like, I don't know if I want to give it to you. And then he had a pitch for her that sold her on it. So, um, so I guess maybe it was an idea that she had, I don't know. She's not credited as story by or anything, but, um, but anyway, yeah. So, but good for her making, making things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Good for her. All right. Well, yeah, that's it. That's it for this one. Yeah. See y'all next time. See y'all next time.